Welcome to the Co-op Power Hour on KGNU's It's the Economy. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm Nathan Schneider, a professor of media studies at CU Boulder. We join you on the fourth Thursday of every month to learn about economic democracy and cooperative business. The Co-op Power Hour is a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle, which you can learn more about at our website, coloradocoops.info. Today we're talking about building cooperative power, how cooperatives can work together to uh, transform their societies, to strengthen their own uh, businesses, to make the cooperative model really work. Again, these are businesses that are owned and governed by the people they serve, by the people who participate in them. They might be worker cooperatives uh, owned by their employees or uh, uh, purchasing cooperatives uh, owned by businesses that purchase from them, that use them to achieve economies of scale, or consumer cooperatives owned by the people uh, who, who buy from them uh, uh, and, and other forms as well. Um, today, we have some really uh, extraordinary guests. Uh, here in the studio, we have uh, Kaylee Barker, Communications Director for Cooperatives for a Better World and a leading organizer of the Colorado Co-op Initiative, uh, Colorado.coop Initiative. Um, uh, with us, too, is Howard Brodsky, uh, the founder and, uh, and director of Cooperatives for a Better World, also the founder and CEO of CCA Global, uh, a major purchasing cooperative in this country, um, and he's going to uh, tell us his story of, of um, uh, building that business as well as becoming a leader and helping to uh, connect cooperatives uh, around the country and around the world. Uh, finally, we'll hear from Doug O'Brien. He's president and CEO of the NCBA CLUSA, the National Cooperative Business Association. That's the national umbrella uh, association for cooperatives in the entire country. He'll be joining us by phone from Washington. This idea of cooperatives working together um, is at the root of the cooperative principles that co-ops around the country or around the world uh, share. Uh, among the seven principles that cooperatives internationally uh, hold together, principle six is cooperation among cooperatives. This is actually an expectation of what cooperatives should do. This is part of what it means to be this kind of business. Um, and it can take a variety of forms. One example, for instance, is cooperative federations, uh, uh, organizations that are uh, made up of cooperatives that enable them to achieve uh, economies of scale, that uh, enable them to uh, uh, reach further than they could alone. Uh, these can look like co-ops of co-ops. For instance, here in Colorado, a lot of the electric utility co-ops uh, that deliver electricity in rural areas are members uh, together of uh, a co-op called uh, Tri-State, which uh, generates and distributes the electricity that they use. And then cooperatives form associations, uh, organizations like NCBA CLUSA uh, that represent them uh, uh, at a on a national scale, and and that representation is really important. Um, you know, there's been a long history where where co-ops have had to fight to uh, to uh, ensure their right to exist, uh, going back to, for instance, the Capper-Volstead Act in 1922, uh, when farmer cooperatives banded together and and ensured that the new antitrust laws wouldn't um, be used against them, uh, and then just recently in the past few years. 
after the current White House uh, proposed uh, 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 withdrawing funding from uh, cooperatives through the Department of Agriculture, uh, they were able to band together and, and um, prevent that from taking place. Um, we also see this in terms of infrastructure. So here in Colorado, we have uh, CoBank, a, a large, uh, um, I believe, $128 billion in that territory, uh, uh, a cooperative bank for agricultural cooperatives. Uh, and it's built on the basis of cooperatives working together, building their own financial institutions, uh, enabling them to access capital in ways that they otherwise might not. And then there are examples from around the world. For instance, one of the most developed examples of cooperatives working together is the Italian uh, cooperative ecosystem, where, where um, uh, co-ops are actually expected by law to contribute part of their profits to, uh, uh, to their associations to help support the development of existing and new uh, cooperatives. And, and uh, uh, through that system, they've been able to generate a very, very vibrant and and diverse uh, uh, cooperative economy. Here in Colorado, we're having uh, uh, and we're, we're seeing an experiment uh, uh, take place. Uh, and a new model is being developed here through Cooperatives for a Better World, the organization that Kaylee and Howard represent. Um, and they're turning to Colorado as an opportunity to test out a model uh, that they'd like to see uh, happen elsewhere. And uh, you can learn about it at colorado.coop. It's, a, it's a, a model for bringing cooperatives together across sectors uh, to do joint marketing, to, um, uh, to, to build power together, to build strength together, and see how much more uh, 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 powerful and effective their model can be when they're working together. So uh, here in the studio, again, we have Kaylee Barker. Kaylee, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Nathan, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And then on the phone, we have Howard Brodsky. Nathan, Howard, uh, welcome again, to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be there. Now, Howard is the uh, founder and CEO of CCA Global, uh, uh, one of the largest uh, uh, purchasing cooperatives in the country and uh, founder of Cooperatives for a Better World. Um, now, Howard, maybe let's start with you. Could you give us a sense of of what you're doing in Colorado, what Cooperatives for a Better World's vision is for uh, uh, what Colorado cooperatives can accomplish together? Yes. Well, I think we have so much opportunity. And I think one of the reasons, Nathan, is that co-ops do so much good. Um, you know, they're so good at distributing wealth and not and closing the wealth gap. They're very good about giving back to the community. They're extremely good about ownership is spread out among many people and not not just at the very top of the the totem pole and it's all the things that we're saying we'd like society to be about which is inclusive and empowering people and democratic control and what we really have found is if we have cooperatives work together we can accelerate both the development of new cooperatives and also accelerate the expansion of existing cooperatives and that many people are not aware of the cooperative model. Uh, it, they might see it in all parts of their life and, and really are not aware of who they are, how they're structured, whether it be credit unions or purchasing cooperatives or electric cooperatives. They touch most people in some fashion in a positive way. And what we want to really do is to tie all the cooperatives in so that even their employees and their members 
understand all the sectors of cooperatives and really have them spread the word because uh, it will create a better world if more people are members of cooperatives, if more people are aware of cooperatives, and it'll be better for our whole system. So our goal is really to increase the knowledge base of cooperatives and increase the participation of cooperatives working together to uh, for marketing and cost savings so they can all benefit each other. Now, you've done some research, right, on uh, people's perceptions of cooperatives. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, part of it was more surprising than we thought, and maybe some wasn't. Uh, that what we really found was that uh, when we did, we did a national survey, and only about uh, 10% of people understood exactly what a cooperative was. And even that wasn't 100% accurate, but people came out with things like they thought Amazon was a cooperative. Uh, there, there was a group of people that said they thought it was a secret society, which was <laughs> interesting. I mean, it was, I guess it's good I belong to a secret society. I didn't know it was. Um, and so there was a real knowledge gap of cooperatives. And what was interesting, Nathan, is when we told them what a cooperative was, uh, almost 78% of the people said it would influence their behavior in a positive way of where they would shop or do business. So we saw that as an enormous opportunity. Absolutely. And, and that's remarkable. And, and also you're pointing to the way in which some of the um, experience of the cooperative uh, legacy has been kind of co-opted, right? The Amazon right. Prime membership is, you know, kind of built off of the membership relationships that consumer co-op uh, co-ops have historically had with their members. And, and, you know, we see that in crowdfunding where, where, um, you know, cooperatives used to be the way that people would uh, band together and, and raise money to do something that they all were interested in. Um, now we have that on the internet, it's easier to do, but there's less of that accountability and equity and shared ownership built in. Right. No, I, I think, yeah. So, you know, it, it's, you know, we talk about the problems, and I think what's interesting about a cooperative is it's not a nonprofit, and it's not a corporation owned by a few. That it is the ideal world. I call it it's capitalism with a conscience. So it's very entrepreneurial, but it's owned by many, and that's the way our society should really be. Now, can you tell us a bit more specifically about what you're um, thinking about uh, building both here in Colorado and and around the world. What is Cooperatives for a Better World up to? Well, uh, first, as I said, we really want to spread the word about cooperatives. And so we are starting with, I call it within side cooperatives, with their employees and members, and we have a training program so they understand all the different sectors. It is complex. Uh, that Most people, when they hear the word cooperatives, they think of a food cooperative, but you know, it touches so much, so many parts of our society. Uh, there's a billion members of cooperatives worldwide. It's astonishing. And I think that's a number that people would have no idea of. So we have a training program. We have a video of uh, uh, the program that people can use of why to go work for a cooperative. And we also then want to have cooperatives work together to market with each other. So when people are coming into a community, they know who the good people are, who are the people that care about the community, they're owned by members in the community where the money is staying in the community. Great. And, and how does this fit into a global context? I mean, how does the, the effort that you're building here in Colorado um, connect with you know, efforts you're seeing internationally? 
Well, I think internationally, in many ways, mirrors uh, in, in most countries. So cooperatives work in most countries across the world. And again, I think the, the knowledge base is, is very limited in a lot of those areas. So we're working with, uh, in many ways, the marketing uh, message for the International Co-op Alliance, which represents cooperatives all around the world. And we have a uh, positioning and, and a, a marketing thing called What If, telling about all the what if could be if people belong to cooperatives and did business cooperatives. And that message now as part of Cooperatives for Better World. We're in 14 countries with that, including India and Argentina and Australia. So the message is, is getting out. Now, Kaylee, you and your team have been uh, working on the ground here in Colorado uh, over the last year. Can you tell us a bit about the opportunities and the challenges you've been running into? Sure, sure. Well, Howard hit it the nail on the head with the research that's been done on awareness. When you're talking about only 10, 11% of people knowing what co-ops are, that's a huge gap. You know, you're looking at 86% of people not knowing. And then when you tell them what co-ops are, uh, there's that huge opportunity that they're looking for businesses. And what co-ops do is they take the idea of local business to a whole nother level because not it's not just about shopping local, it's about owning local. It's it's about capital, staying local, and growing those communities. And the opportunities, like really going through the exercise here in Colorado of exploring the potential uh, growth of Principle 6, that cooperation among cooperatives on such a high or such a, a broad way, making these connections is a huge opportunity. And there's a lot of enthusiasm. All of our conversations are met very positively. Uh, the obstacles are, are really understanding where it fits in people's daily operations, because really, ultimately, we're talking to businesses. These are budgets. There's line items that they need to tie activities to. To. And also, it's the uh, uh, the trust and the bonding, the relationship building, and getting over those hurdles and coming together is really what's going to take the uh, cooperative movement here at a local biz uh, local level here in the state of Colorado to a whole nother level. And then you can only imagine the potential growth of having these little movements spark across the country. What can be nationally and even beyond that around the world. That's right. I mean, and, and in a sense, there's a challenge in this principle, mm -hmm. um, because uh, on the one hand, the earlier principles, right, are mm -hmm. all about member participation, member control, the cooperative is there to serve its members, right. And so uh, uh, a lot of times I've experienced in, in uh, uh, relating to cooperative leaders about these kinds of collaboration issues, uh, uh, they're so focused on trying to support their members and trying to meet their members' needs right. that they kind of don't want to deal with another another thing. Uh, they don't want to deal with a bigger picture. Um, and so that can be a challenge. Yeah, and what we've been doing is trying to simplify that message around cooperation among cooperatives. And the whole idea is that the, these activities are complementary activities. They are, these activities are to make uh, our jobs easier, not more complicated. When, when we come together, uh, we're looking to share resources, share messaging, amplify one another's messaging. The whole idea of talking to employees within each sector of cooperative business allows people to make 
make these cross-sector connections for their employees, for their members, for them to really become uh evangelists of cooperation. So my personal life doesn't just involve working for a co-op. It means I'm banking with a credit union. It means I'm shopping cooperative brands. All of that just grows exponentially when we make these internal connections first. And then taking that to that next uh, pivoting to the larger community that has no relationship to us, now we make those conversations easier because our internal uh, employees now have, uh, they have the capability and the knowledge knowledge to answer people's questions because, you know, we're, we're complicated like any other business. And we have uh, let that uh, cooperative identity uh, come a little below the surface in our marketing efforts. And people are now looking for that. I mean, look at what's happened with uh, the shop, shop local movement. And I mean, Thanksgiving's today. That means tomorrow is Black Friday, Small Business Saturday. There's this whole idea that these things 10, 15 years ago were not things people were talking about, and now they are, and cooperatives are, like, unlike any other business, down to our principles and our uh, organizational documents, right? It comes right down to the community ownership uh, and how that impacts our, our daily lives. Great. And, yeah, I, I think it's so important to recognize the way in which many of our cooperatives have gotten used to the idea of not really talking about being a cooperative Um you know, that there were times in U.S. history where it was not a great way to become popular in the business world. You know, it was uh, there were a lot of anxieties about what that might mean. Um, and uh, and I think today cooperatives have are kind of coming out of their shell. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Black Friday, you know, REI is uh, 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 advertising its cooperative identity more. And, you know, one way it's doing that is is closing down on Black Friday, encouraging mm-hmm. people to get out into the into the outdoors. Um, Howard, can you say a bit about the, from the perspective of a, of a CEO of a cooperative, um, what uh, value you see and what challenges, what kind of obstacles you see in, in uh, really uh, 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 speaking out that cooperative identity? Well, our, our business is cooperatives of businesses across uh, North America, actually in Australia and New Zealand also. So we really, I call it, save family businesses in America. Uh, you know, it, it is, it's not a level playing field today, and I think what we try to do is make a level playing field. When you have companies that are $40, $50, $100 billion, $200 billion companies, and you have a local family business that's doing $1 million or $5 million, it's, it's not small, but it's a, it's a little family business in terms of the economics. Um, it is tough to compete on your own. And what we really do is provide the resources, whether it be marketing and buying and insurance and credit card processing, that they compete on an equal level, Nathan. And uh, it is very gratifying. Uh, it would, I would tell you as I wake up every day and the, we call them members, our family businesses that we serve in many, in many different industries. So we have from bike stores to ski stores to floor covering stores to child care centers. To hear their stories of how we have literally helped them not only survive but thrive in the local community is as, as rewarding as you can be. And probably one of the key elements just to show the success was during the recession, many of our companies and in our industries lost about 25% of the, of the stores in those industries. Uh, you know, they were challenged by lack of credit, by the sales going down, and in our 
anybody that was a member of CCA Global Partners and all the different companies, we only lost 2%. So we, we kept people going during the toughest times, and they're very resilient if you can give them the resources. Well, we'll we're going to come back a bit later to the story of, of uh, developing that business, um, and I'm r- really eager to hear that. And um, but but just before we we wrap up this yeah. this uh, segment, I'd like to hear about um, how people can look for the efforts that uh, that you're building here in Colorado. How can people get involved in in the cooperative ecosystem, and 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 what kinds of things are are uh, uh, you doing to change the nature of the cooperative sector here in the state? Well, I, Kaylee will fill you in with part. So as you said, you know, if they go to Colorado.coop, um, you know, first I would say is try to understand who are the co-ops in the state because those are the people that are locally owned or in the community giving back to the community. And Colorado.coop is a, a co-op locator, which you can look by sector to find any co-op in the state of Colorado that never existed before. And, and that's a great way to start participating and understanding and, you know, certainly to become a member of a co-op would be great if, if you are a member of one co-op to become a member of another. And um, there, there are so many ways to, just to get more involved and to, um, to really encourage the cooperative movement. Right. Might I add that what we've done with Colorado.coop is created the first of its kind a interactive uh, mapping system of co-ops across the state. And so what we're looking to do now is welcome cooperators from across the state to come in. We've, we've created this. I mean, cooperation is everything we do. This is a collaborative platform. We welcome people to come on, claim their listings, or if they do not find their cooperative business, to add it. And it's really just uh, like anything, it's at whatever level they're able to offer. So they can claim that. They can add media assets. uh, They can add, um, add different links to their social media platforms. And then we're really looking for people to uh, uh, sign on to lead how we shape this in 2019 and 2020 in identifying what resources at an educational level for our employees and our members, and then also how do we pivot uh, in those sh- uh, larger, more uh, um, broader aspects of marketing and cost savings. And that really comes down to uh, the cooperative community identifying what's going to work best for them. So we're really looking to collaborate on this effort. Well, it's a really exciting, uh, ambitious uh, uh, opportunity. You know, just a few years ago, a group of us was putting together this Colorado co-op study circle that this show grew out of. And, and um, the Cooperatives for a Better World team has just supercharged those those efforts and and um, and and the Colorado.coop platform is a tremendous resource. Uh, you're listening to the Co-op Power Hour. It's a regular feature on KG News. It's the economy and a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. I'm Nathan Schneider. I teach media studies at CU Boulder. Um, today we're talking about building cooperative power, and we'll be right back.
Economy. I'm Nathan Schneider. Tonight, today we're talking about building cooperative power. Uh, and we're joined by uh, uh, a couple of remarkable people, uh, Howard Brodsky, founder and CEO uh, of CCA Global Partners and uh, founder of Cooperatives for a Better World, uh, as well as Kaylee Barker, who's communications director for Cooperatives for a Better World uh, and has been uh, with uh, Howard at CCA Global uh, for some years now. Um, Howard, I'd love to turn to the story of your entry into the cooperative movement. How did you get uh, uh, started? How did you first discover this model uh, in your business career? Well, I, I came from a very small family business, Nathan. My father actually was a Russian immigrant, and we came over to the United States, and he always wanted to have his own family business, and he started a small floor covering store in Manchester, New Hampshire, when I was five, and he died when I was 12 of cancer, and uh, I always saw the pride he had in the business, and after I got out of college, I came in to run the business, and it grew, and um, I then became, early on, uh, the president of the National Association of Floor Covering Dealers, the World Floor Covering, and with a dear friend of mine who was also president in subsequent years, we saw the challenges that retailers were having across the country. Um, the, the big boxes were starting to dominate everything, and you saw more and more family businesses go out of business. Local communities became Walmart and Home Depot and Lowe's and, you know, Best Buy. You know, the, 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 the local downtowns were disappearing and the family stores were disappearing. And we said, well, if we don't do something, you know, our industry is going to fit like every other industry. And a, a dear friend of ours knew the CEO of True Value or True Serve Hardware Stores, a name, gentleman named Larry Zephus. And he said, I think you should meet him. And we went down there for a day. He spent an entire day with us, uh, very generous with his time. And we were so impressed with what a cooperative was. Didn't really understand it before we were down there. We walked out, we understood it, and we said, we're going to start a cooperative. And that was 32 years ago. And uh, our first company w was uh, Carpet One, uh, because we were in the carpet business. But after about four or five years, we realized that our core strength was really not being in the floor covering business. The core strength was really serving independent family businesses and giving them scale. And so we slowly went into the lighting business and the bikes and ski stores and general contractors and then child care centers. Um, so it has grown, and we you know, as you had mentioned, we, you know, we're one of the largest uh, purchasing business cooperatives now in, in North America. Now, let's break down what that model means. You know, for instance, there's a, a Carpet One down east on Arapahoe Avenue here, uh, just outside downtown Boulder, and then, you know, up toward uh, Longmont as well. You know, people might be passing these on the road. Uh, right. What is the, um, what are these businesses? How are they different from, say, another kind of chain uh, chain store? Right. Well, first of all, they're all family businesses. We, we a fam you know, a chain store cannot be part of the cooperative. So they actually own a share in the company. Uh, so one wonderful thing about the cooperative, so even though I co-founded it and I'm chairman and co-CEO of the company, I actually don't own a share of the company. People are surprised. that no, They don't understand. Even to this day, uh, people come up to me and say, well, just how much do you own of it? Well, I, I can proudly say I don't own any of it. The members own it. So we call them members. So that store that you pass by every day is a member of the cooperative and owns a piece of that cooperative. They all have one share. Every store, it doesn't matter if they're big or small, 
own one share of the cooperative, have an equal voice and equal say in how it's run. And what kinds of things does the cooperative enable those stores to do? What is the you know what is a purchasing cooperative? So on its name, you would obviously we do the purchasing, but it's really much more than purchasing. So obviously we buy it at enormous scale. So like in floor covering, actually we buy more than anybody else in the world. We're the largest buyer of floor covering. So the local store in Colorado is actually buying as good a price or lower the price than any national chain. But also we do marketing for them. We do HR services for them. We do insurance for them. We do credit card processing for them. We call it, it's a very holistic approach. So when they turn on the key to this store, pretty much anything they need, we provide those services at a, at a way that they probably could never do in the, as professionally or as a lower cost that we able to do for all the members across the uh, North America. Now, how does that shared ownership play out in uh, in day to day practice, or in the you know in the longer story of the of the business as well? What what kind of rights does that grant the the local businesses? What kind of you know how does on a day to day level that feel different from say uh, you know running a um, you know a McDonald's franchise or something like that? Sure. Well, two things. First, uh, we are profitable. As I said. Uh, Cooperatives are, are very entrepreneurial, so we are profitable. But the difference is the members that own the co-op get 100% of the profit back at the end of the year. So very different than McDonald's. The profit goes to corporate and shareholders that own, you know, there's some local profit that goes to the franchisee. But uh, So they get 100% of the profit back. There's no outside shareholders. And the other part that I think is very different is they actually each get a vote to elect the board of directors that, that in essence, runs the company that hires management. So they all have an equal vote. Um, you know, I, we, I don't have a single vote. And all the members, whether they be in Alaska or in Colorado or in Florida, all have a vote. So they, they are, it's shared ownership. And, you know, we do have professional management. But at the end of the day, if we weren't doing something right, um, they could remove us instantaneously. Now, Kaylee, you've been working for uh, CCA Global Partners for a number of years now. Tell us about what it's like to to work in a cooperative. How is it different from working in another kind of business? Well, it's incredibly inspiring and empowering to work for a cooperative business, especially one with an impact like CCA Global Partners. I had the privilege of interning for Howard when I was in college. I went on a young adult adventure and traveled to D.C. and northern Maine for a period of my life right after school. And then, of course, when the opportunity came back to return to my childhood hometown, it was an immediate, you know, before going anywhere else, uh, it was an an outreach to CCA Global Partners to see if I could come back, and then look at where that uh, that adventure then took me to uh, now be working with Cooperatives for a Better World, is just an unbelievable privilege that I've had to live right. This, um, but in that day to day, I mean, it's not just my experience; it's uh, shared with the employees of the different divisions of CCA Global Partners, and that is helping local business thrive in an economy that is not welcoming 
of the of, of that business model in the same way that it enables larger corporations uh, to grow and extract capital out of our communities based on convenience. And so it's really cool to communicate with a member of Carpet One or Flooring America and hear about their, you know, these are second, third generation owners of the cooperative now. This is this company is uh, this cooperative is three decades old. And you're now seeing these generational businesses uh, continue to thrive and grow and compete in a marketplace. I mean, Howard said it, CCA Global is out buying Home Depot and Lowe's combined. You know, that's a cool story. Uh, you're talking about the 14th largest retail cooperative in the world. And how, how, are, how have we made that scale? By helping the local business owner thrive in their community. And so it's really cool to be a part of that local story, to go out on Small Business Saturday and say, look what I'm a part of, look what I'm helping, look what I'm standing up. You know, it, it's that shared experience uh, and that, that inspiration that drives our work because it's, you know, we're not just numbers. We are a community. And, it, you know, it's it's a cooperative community at, at that business level. And then when you go to those local stores, it's that shared experience in you know a small town or in a larger city where these businesses are able to thrive because this the the services and the, the things that we're doing to provide them really just allow them to be the best possible business people that they can be and we are a part of their story and that's really cool so tell me about how cooperatives for a better world came about um, did it emerge from that kind of from that experience from within CCA Global Partners? What is the what's the origin story there? Sure, I, I can. It, it starts really with with Howard on the line, and I'm sure he can add to it. But it really comes out of the conversations he was having, both internally at CCA with members and other executives in the cooperative, and then also those larger conversations with the uh, National Cooperative Business Association, with the International Cooperative Alliance, and these different conversations that have happened for about the last you know five years, uh, coming out of. Um, uh, 2012 and the UN's International Year of the Co-op, all of these conversations have really sparked an interest of how can we be better, right? How can we really drive an impact? We're, we're at a tipping point. How do we tip it in our favor? And so it, it really started as a research project, and that's where I came in. They I was writing content for one of the divisions of CCA Global Partners, and having done research for um, uh, Howard and a couple other executives in divisions of CCA before, I came in to research this, and it led to our 2015 survey. It turned into a couple presentations. Then it started to turn into media assets. It started into uh, telling the story uh, on larger stages. I mean, Howard and I have traveled telling uh, the Cooperatives for a Better World story to several different uh, countries. We are at the uh, International Cooperative Alliance's meetings in um, Malaysia and Turkey two years before that. And it turned in, so this project started in 2015. We incorporated as a formal nonprofit just last year because the activities that we're doing, we found to be needed because they complement and they amplify the efforts that are happening around the world. And we're looking to how do we pool resources? How do we create or curate uh, educational and inspirational materials to help elevate uh, the story of cooperatives and really help people tell that story through their cooperative businesses? 
Thank you, Kaylee. And Howard, can you say a bit about where you saw the need for this organization from where you were sitting? Yes. Um, what I saw was that everybody, when I talked to people, first, when I, I said, what do you do? And in very intelligent people from, you know, educators to CEOs of companies, nobody understood. Uh, and yet, when you, once you explain it to them, they love the concept. I mean, it's like, it's like, wow, isn't that great? It's, you're, you're entrepreneurial, but, you know, you share the wealth. That's like the best of all worlds. And, but I said, boy, people just don't understand. It wasn't just me and my people. I was, it was everywhere. And so this was really about how do we tell the true story and the wonderful story that cooperatives do. And there's a way we can bring cooperatives together to tell the story together because it's, it's a powerful story, Nathan. So I really saw that there was an, the gap in knowledge was really hindering the advancement of cooperatives. And so our goal was to try to close that gap and to make people enlightened because we know that once people understand it, they're very much in favor of all the things and all the ways that cooperatives can help people. Fantastic. Um, you know, what do you, where do you see the, you know, the future of this, of this sector going? Well, I see that it's really almost, uh, you know, I call it the new cooperative model. You know, it's an interesting, Nathan. I, I happen to have the privilege of, of being at the uh, Institute of the Future in Palo Alto about a year ago. And when I was there representing the board, the board of Trustees of the University I'm on, and when they came, they said, Howard, they looked up what people did, and they said, what you do is the future. And they proceeded to say that they really felt that the cooperative structure was going to be the future hope of our society because so much of our society is going to be what they consider the distributed economy, people working in the gig economy, there's less people today than ever working for an employer. They're, they're more self-employed, whether it be with Ubers or all kinds of different elements. And that the cooperative model can solve so many of the issues of giving people rights and ownership, empowerment. Um, and they, they, Bob Johansson, who's one of the heads of the Institute of the Future, I've spoken with him several times since, said the cooperative model can be really at the heart of our economy in the future. Well, thank you for uh, all the work that you've been doing to make that a reality. You know, I should just say uh, to listeners, you know, H Howard is is uh, uh, and his team, you know, uh, with Kaylee is they're they're uh, among the you know f right now fairly few uh, uh, leaders in the cooperative sector who are really really investing in that next generation, really uh, putting their attention toward the future. And and I know a lot of young cooperative cooperators uh, appreciate that example so thank you for the you know the leadership that you've been providing and the you know the example uh, and uh, uh, thank you for joining us on this show thank you thank so you, much Nathan. Oh. yeah Nathan this has been our pleasure and uh, we appreciate your involvement and in, and in your commitment to the cooperative movement Absolutely. You're listening to the Co-op Power Hour. I'm Nathan Schneider. I teach media studies at CU Boulder. And uh, uh, we're with you on the fourth Thursday of every month. Today, we're talking about building cooperative power. Uh, next, we'll be hearing from Doug O'Brien, president and CEO of uh, NCBA CLUSA, the National Cooperative Business Association.
Welcome back to the Co-op Power Hour. It's a regular feature on KG News, It's the Economy, and a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. Once again, I'm Nathan Schneider. I'm a professor of media studies at CU Boulder. And uh, today we're talking about building cooperative power, how cooperatives can work together uh, and uh, strengthen themselves and their communities. Um, we're joined now by uh, Doug O'Brien, the president and CEO of NCBA CLUSA, which is the National Cooperative Business Association. So this is the umbrella association for cooperatives across the country. Uh, Doug, welcome to the show. Nathan, it is very good to be with you and on the Power Hour. Oh, well, we're so glad to have you. So let's start out just with a, a kind of state of, of cooperative America. You, you know, you're, you're um, uh, uh, sitting there in, the, in Washington uh, at the Umbrella Organization. Tell us what you're seeing. What are the uh, uh, points of opportunity? Uh, what's getting you excited? What, what are the, the major challenges that you're concerned about now? Yeah, okay. Well, um, the, you know, the, the, the state of, of the cooperative community in the United States, it's I mean, the, probably the first thing is it's it's diverse, uh, diverse in in every way. It's uh, you know through all kinds of different sectors. Um, you know, there's there's established and mature sectors with credit unions, with agriculture co-ops, with rural electrics, uh, and in fact with purchasing co-ops. Um, there are emerging opportunities around. I think particularly the utilization of the cooperative business model in in work, and that's uh you know that's worker co-ops but of course it's it's what um well what you've talked and written about so much Nathan around uh platform economy gig economy uh there's some real opportunity and excitement around that and and then you know the use of cooperatives in um certainly in the food sector uh in kind of the smaller agriculture sector so there's a lot of interest i think increased interest in the use of the cooperative business model right now. And I think it's because we're in, well, what, what we've been calling a cooperative moment. And what I mean by that is we look at the history of the United States and there's, and there's these kind of eras or moments that people feel excluded from their economy. They feel excluded from their society. And I think we're in one of those moments right now. And, and if we look uh, across history, that's a time when people have looked to the cooperative business model as a strategy to empower themselves. Um, it happened with farmers when uh, the the economy really shifted fairly, really quickly from an agriculture to an industrial economy. And in most farmers, which was the majority of the U.S. at that point, and, you know, around the uh, 1900 or so, they found themselves uh, in a, in sort of displaced from the economy that they knew. And farmers came together and created co-ops in the 1930s. Uh, rural people didn't have access to the critical uh, modern infrastructure of electricity, and they came together in, in a really historic public-private partnership with uh, with the federal government to create the rural electric cooperative system. And you know, we can talk about credit unions, you can talk about really food co-ops, etc. So we're in another one of those moments. I think we're so much in the middle of it that it's hard to define and and capture. Um, I think Nathan, that's a lot of your work right now is that you're. You're trying to find those boundaries and uh, why, why we appreciate so much what, what you're doing for the community. Well, it's, 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 it, I think you're right about that moment, and it's a point of transition where the economy is, is changing, and the question is, is who, on whose terms is this transformation going to happen, mm -hmm. right? 
Right. Might I add that the research, that's the economic research about what consumer choices, employment choices people are making are being driven, like unlike any other time, by the purpose of those businesses. I mean, uh, the World Economic Forum has identified uh, like 78% of Americans believe it's no longer acceptable for companies to just make money. Co-ops do this. These are for-profit businesses, but it's not an extractory model. It's a it's an anchoring model where capital resources are anchored in those communities with the people at the heart of them. So co-ops really, as, as uh, Doug was just saying, this cooperative moment is because people are looking for us. We need to raise our hands as businesses, as, as community entities, so people can come participate. Now, one, one aspect of that, um, uh, that history is that when these moments happen, kind of signal policy uh, shifts occur as well. And, and I, I've been wondering whether that's, that's happening uh, uh, again. You know, I, it's been striking to me the, how uh, uh, politicians across the aisle on both Democratic and Republican parties um, uh, have been uh, supporting measures uh, to support cooperatives in turn. For instance, over the summer, uh, a bill was passed uh, that uh, lightens the, the uh, regulatory burden on credit unions and community banks. Um, uh, later in the summer, uh, along with the Defense Authorization Act, was a um, uh, the Main Street Employee Ownership Act, which uh, uh, makes it easier for businesses to convert to uh, employee ownership through ESOPs or worker co-ops, um, uh, and that runs through the Small Business Administration. Um, what kinds of, of opportunities do you see uh, in terms of policy? What, 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 also, what kinds of, of openness are you seeing there in Washington uh, among politicians around supporting these kinds of models? Well, I, we see more interest now um, in the use of the cooperative business model for for you know sectors that had not uh, that had not utilized cooperatives that much um, really than you know at least two generations. I talked to Joe Blasey, who's a one of the foremost experts on um, employee ownership, both cooperatives and ESOPs, and uh, he and I had a conversation months ago and he made the observation that not since you know probably the late 70s was there as much legislation uh, in legislative activity around worker co-ops and employee ownership um, you know uh, you know since that time and and the reason is I think that it, you know it, it it tacks back to what we've been talking about you know the the, the policymakers and the politicians they they are in, in many ways responsive and they realize that um, that the nature of work, that people's relationship to sort of that stable work uh, work environment, has has shifted, and they're they're looking for answers, and in some ways they're kind of desperate for answers, and you know they're they're looking to cooperatives as um, you know as a as a strategy and hungry for that strategy. The uh, and it's not only in the, in the work sector. I think I think that um, as the uh, you know, different sectors become ever more consolidated and con- concentrated. Policymakers are, are starting to to again look at cooperatives as a way to for people to uh, to band together uh, to to gain some some market power in the market. That was a traditional use of cooperatives, certainly, 
uh, and has been used for generations for, for that purpose. So I think, there's, I think there's real opportunity. I think we're at the beginning. We're at the starting end of it. And your point, uh, Nathan, I think, you know, we, we look at agriculture, you look at credit unions, you look at rural electric cooperatives, and then each of those, there's, there's a, essentially a scaffolding of policy that enables people to come together and use the cooperative business model in these sectors, um, particularly to, to, to kind of get, um, you know, those sectors started, uh, but, then, but then that, uh, that kind of that partnership and policy continues. Yeah, and it, it's really important, and I think important to recognize the way in which policy structures the whole economy and enables, you know, the Securities and Exchange Commission enables Wall right. Street to work, right? <laughs> uh, just as the um, uh, the the you know Rural Electrification Act enables uh, uh, the rural co-ops to, to to work, and so this is the idea that policy would be you know a critical ingredient is. Uh, shouldn't come as a surprise uh, uh, for a different kind of, of business. Now, I, I'm curious, Doug, to hear your perspective on the challenge of, of bringing cooperatives together. Now, you, you opened uh, uh, this conversation by talking about the diversity of your of your um, of the cooperative sector uh, that you're working with. Um, what are some of the challenges and obstacles to to uh, to bringing these businesses together as a united front? Um, you know, how much do they, how thick, in a sense, is the cooperative identity uh, today? Uh, and, you know, how thick should it be? How important mm -hmm. is it for cooperatives to emphasize their cooperative identity as opposed to whatever it is their business uh, happens to be? Yeah. So that the, um, to answer your, well, I don't know if that was the fourth or fifth question in that litany. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it is, you know, there there are segments of the community that uh, identify strongly with the cooperative principles, with the tradition and the legacy, uh, and and the potential, the the shared values. Um, but there there are many parts of it that do not. Um, uh, as as Kaylee mentioned, the you know the 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 challenge. I think the the root of the challenge is we are dealing with with people who are running businesses. I mean, the cooperatives are businesses. They need to be viable businesses, or they you know they'll they'll they won't exist. They won't make any change that we're talking about. And uh, and running a business is uh, you know is is a is a full time consuming kind of thing. So 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 getting the attention of the leaders of these you know the recent number sixty five thousand different establishments that are cooperative businesses. Uh, that we could count, and there's probably a lot more than that in the United States is is a challenge. Um, that's certainly true. The history would tell us that for cooperatives to make sort of a leap in terms of their influence and impact, that the cooperative community does need to come together. Um, you know, if 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 we are in the in the in the near future. Um, whether that's on on sort of the offensive of looking at a major policy change. Um, or on the defensive, uh, you know, at, at some point, the the appropriate tax treatment that that cooperatives and credit unions, um, you know, that they that they uh, that they have because of the special, you know, nature of the business of being people-centered business and, and owned by their members, um, that that can be under attack. To either defend or or advocate or promote, we need to come together. We need to bring together that shared strength of the credit unions, of the rural electrics, of agriculture, of, you know, emerging worker, you know, and on and on and on. Uh, that's, that's what's got us here before. So it's, there, there's a lot of potential 
um, you know, here at NCB Clusa, we have on our on our uh, in our membership and on our board, we have the full uh, you know kind of pantheon across sectors, and um, and it is the place and it's the platform for these different sectors to come together and, and look at that potential and to, to look at how we can work together to raise public awareness, to advocate, uh, and to develop that next, you know, that next uh, sector, that next round of co-ops, as well as, as to really increase the credi- credibility of, of co-ops through thought leadership. Now, I wonder if we could turn to the um, strength of cooperatives uh, uh, collaborating internationally. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a big portion of, of your organization's work uh, is... Uh, is in international aid and then and then um, work outside of the U.S. Uh, powered by um, U.S. cooperatives. Can you tell us a bit about what that work looks like and how it relates yeah. to yeah to to you know your your other efforts? Absolutely. So so NCBA Clusa um, for over sixty five years has has been you know utilizing the cooperative principles. And I'll point to to two um, to the sixth and seventh, the sixth principle of of cooperation among cooperatives. So the domestic, the U.S. cooperative community coming together, and then number seven, principle seven, uh, in expressing concern for community. And, and the way we've done that over the years, it started out in India in the mid-1950s as India was just beginning to, uh, to kind of spread its wings and its independence. And some people here at then Clusa uh, observed that we could bring the cooperative development uh, as a key strategy for small farmers in India to um, you know, to band together and, and and create some viable businesses and really improve the the lot of the families there, and um, actually the our efforts there have resulted in some of the biggest co-ops uh, now in the world. But you fast forward and we continue to do on a small scale just a few projects in the 50s and then in the early 60s, the Kennedy administration uh, determined that it wanted to go kind of go bigger on on. Uh, international development work, it, really in the in the name of of creating more economic and national security stability, they were looking for strategies that could run right away. And cooperative development, international cooperative development, was one that that they thought was a good idea. And part of the reason they thought it was a good idea is because uh, Clusa, NCBA Clusa, uh, advocated and and really educated people what cooperatives can mean in this developing world. And now, since early 1960s, NCBA Clusa has been in 80 different countries, usually partnering with USAID um, and, and many others. And today we're in 20 countries. We're in 31 uh, different projects doing cooperative development, uh, but also doing value chain work and uh, resilience, working with women and youth, and using the principles and the shared values to really uh, empower people in their communities. Well, fantastic! Thank you so much for uh, uh, f- for all of that and for and for joining us today. Uh, it's been uh, wonderful having you on the show, and and um, uh, thank you also for your support of our efforts here in Colorado. Yeah, well, we're excited about what's happening in Colorado, um, and uh, and appreciate the work that uh, you know that you're doing, uh, that uh, so many others are, are working on. And really bolstering and, and uh, empowering people through the cooperative business model, and uh, you know, in the Denver region, but but across the state. Okay. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. Yeah. To you too. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Co-op Power Hour on KGNU's It's the Economy, a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. 
Uh, I'm Nathan Schneider. I teach media studies at CU Boulder. We've been hearing from uh, a number of leading cooperators across the country uh, on the subject of building cooperative power, uh, what it takes and what it looks like when cooperatives join together and, and um, uh, build a movement. Uh, we heard earlier from uh, Howard Brodsky, CEO uh, and founder of CCA Global Partners and Cooperatives for a Better World, as well as his colleague uh, Kaylee Barker, the Communications Director for Cooperatives for a Better World. Uh, and we just heard from Doug O'Brien, uh, President and CEO of NCBA CLUSA, which is the National Cooperative Business Association. Um, we'd like to thank our guests this evening, and you can find out more about uh, uh, the Co-op Power Hour and our uh, the new Colorado Solidarity Fund at um, uh, coloradocoops.info. Thank you so much for tuning in, and have a happy Thanksgiving. This is KGNU, Boulder, Denver, and Fort Collins.